This week in league, Wayne Bennett reunites Dane Laurie and Tamana Tahu to bring their racial slur ping pong routine up the F3. Isaac Luke attempts to qualify Rangi Chase for the 2011 to wear a Nikau All-Stars. It's been scientifically proven Darren Lockyer is better than Benji Marshall, except at goal kicking where they're as shit as each other. And we wrap up the Four Nations as well as this show for 2011. All that and more this week in league. Welcome to episode 75 of This Week in League. I'm Nate. And I'm Glenn. 75, what's that? Diamond Jubilee or something? Something like that. It's something like that. I don't know what it You're is. You're closer to that age than me. You don't. Well, well, I don't mean for I mean, I remember when at my primary school had a... I'm pretty sure it was Diamond Jubilee. Uh, yeah. Might be the Lonesome Jubilee. Why would, why John Cougar Merlin Camp. Fucking hell. <laughs> of all the random things to pull from, you come out with some... One of my favourite albums of all time. Which album is that? Lonesome Jubilee. What, was that like the Paper and Fire album? Yep. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> you See, slag it off and even... you realise the absolute classics that came from that album. No, no, I wasn't going to slag it off. I remember I remember as a child when we'd uh, be driving around, you know, going to the beach and stuff and Dad would be playing that because, you know, Dad music. Um <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, it's just, I, was, I wasn't going to slag it off. I was just, just going to say, just interesting, like even like 75 episodes into the show and um, still learning. Yes. It's a great thing. Yes, you, sh- you should never stop because you've got a long way to fucking catch up to the actual intelligent people of this world, Nathan. Well, yeah, I mean, the John Cougar Mellencamp. Fans. Or, or was he John Cougar? Was, that, was, that was the John Cougar Mellencamp era, wasn't it? I think it was, yes. It wasn't when he, okay. So it was before he dropped the, uh, dropped the Cougar and added the Mellencamp. <laughs> Oh dear, oh dear. <laughs> I'm not gonna, this is the last episode. I bet he picked up a few cougars along the way too, Johnny. <laughs> still, still. Um, I don't have any housekeeping stuff to really go into. I know we're just going to hit the news. Yes, I agree. Get your orders in for your merch. News. Matt Parrish says that the Sea Eagles job rumours are wrong. All the way from Leeds this news comes. New South Wales Origin assistant coach Matt Parrish has denied he has a job lined up with Manly despite walking out on Salford just six months after joining the Super League club. He flew home on Thursday to Australia amid speculation he'd be Jeff Toovey's offsider at the Sea Eagles next season. But he told the Sun-Herald earlier in the week he had not spoken to anyone at Manly and continued to insist that that was the case right up until his departure. I'm going home with no job to go to, Parrish told Manchester Evening News. For the last five or six months, I'm, I've been totally committed to Salford. I've been linked with Manly back home in Australia, but I've not had any contact with them. I'd love to come back to England. I love Manchester. Asked by the Herald on Tuesday about rumours linking him to the Seagulls, today Parrish said, It's pure speculation, and I'd rather not comment as I've spoken to no one there. He also says that... um. He's uh, he's done there. He's absolutely gutted. There's only about 30 coaching jobs in the world, and he's just walked away from one of them. So, um, did you say why? Basically, it seems to be uh, funny a strained relationship with the bosses, John Wilkinson and Steve Sims, and he described his position as untenable. Interesting. So, and this is like he's left sort of five six months into it. I think it was a minimum three year deal. I think it could have even been as high as five. So it's a massive. Jeez, they must be cocks. 
he literally just went over. Yeah, well, he just went over there because like, he was the assistant coach for the Origin this year. So he hasn't spoken to anyone at Manly. He says, yeah. Has he noticed any Dats and Sunny sitting in his driveway? Well, this is true. With a shady figure. Although Dats has got his assistant. Yeah, but you know. Yeah. He's, he's just. He's snatching up the people. <laughs> It'd be funny though. I mean, if you're if you're a, a current employee, uh, a 2011 employee of the Dogs, and you were retained going to 2012, you'd just be waiting for the tap on the shoulder. Nah, sorry, we got something from Manly to replace yeah. you. <laughs> down, down to the center link with down to center link with the rest of the staff. Anyway, that's very. It's just, and the rest I, of the population of Belmore. Yeah. Now, the only reason I brought that story up is because yeah, there's been a lot of rumours about the Matt Parrish thing going around uh, around the Manly. Surely Jeff Tuvey doesn't need an assistant. Well, everyone has an assistant coach. Not Jeff Tuvey. He's a fucking saviour of the Manly club, apparently. Oh, well, that's true. And I mean, he doesn't need him, but I mean, you know, it's not about it's not it's not whether he needs it. I mean, sometimes you just got to you know just you got to treat yourself. And to an assistant. Yeah, yeah, to an assistant. I not mean, a tub of gelati. He's an assistant coach. You don't have to make the coffees yourself. That's what I'm saying. Oh, that's true. You don't have to lay out the, the, the witch's hats on the field for the training and yeah, doing the beep tests and stuff. You don't have to run the water yourself. Exactly. I mean, how's he going to do that? Be up in the coach's box, run all the way down the stairs, and then out take the water out onto the field for the players. Think of Stand the... behind the defensive line, yeah. shouting and screaming where people need to be to tackle. Yeah, Because well, their first graders, not under fucking sixes, TV. Get off the field, you cat. Think about fucking, think about the money fucking they save in walkie-talkies. No walkie-talkies required. He can personally deliver the instructions on I the field with the water. I think he'd be a great under-sevens coach, standing on the field, barking instructions at his players. I just hey. don't know. I, I'm happy to be proven wrong. I just don't think he's going to cut it in the NRL. That's... It's just my opinion. You don't think Tuvi's going to cut it as a coach in the I NRL? I just don't think that there's a place for a coach in the NRL standing behind the defensive line screaming at the players. I think I think it's a perfect place. Which is his, that's his strength. That's all he's got. And he's, that's the only string he's got to his bow. It's a very, as, very, very thin bow. As Tuvi as said, you know, he's not going to change a winning formula at, at, at Manly. So why not keep it going? It's a successful. <clears throat> you, say, you know, they actually won the grand final. Can you believe that? So well, let's, let's just say maybe, I don't want to believe it. So maybe the West Tigers should have someone fucking barking orders at them behind the line. We've got Andrew Leeds, mate. Oh, Western Suburbs legend. Oh, so they've got Wallaby. Oh, so they've got an under sevens coach and too. Not a do cauliflower they? ear in sight, I might add. Have you seen Jeff Toovey's head? My God, motherfucker used to bring down trees, fucking twice his size on the field, and he finished his career at hooker. Mm. What do you expect? And then give him water. Yes, that's what he became good at. Yeah, fucking oath he did. Premiership winning it's water a carrier. Glory of his life, handing water. Andrew to Leeds people. couldn't buy a fucking premiership at West. Get off the field, a cat. So Andrew Leeds, the cat that he is, and yeah, seventeen tigers. They're all cats too, <laughs> and uh, and they get and they get Adam Blair to come over to them as well. So I mean, they just want to become what a, a fucking cat menagerie. What a legend! And, He'll uh, take on six blokes at once. Andrew Leeds, Adam Blair, Andrew Leeds couldn't win a premiership as a player. Won a World Cup, didn't he? Because he was fucking hopeless. And, uh, Won a World Cup in a fake sport. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so, so what, you know, he could have won fucking World Cup of Tiddlywinks. Who cares? It's irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> and he's brought his premiership losing skills to the water carrying for the Tigers. And um, it wouldn't surprise me if he, if, if he was calling who was going to catch anyway, that bomb at the maybe, end of the game. Maybe. You never know. Manly's probably planning to sack Tuvi, you know, and say that he's, like, trying to steal... People to go to wherever he's going to go next. To go to behind to the, the behind Matt the defensive line. I mean, you wouldn't put it past Manly for a, for a second. Uh, God knows yeah. what they're up to. Manly don't sack people until they turn. <laughs> and uh, and there you go. 
<laughs> and Tuvi can't wait till they sack the you. Club. Should have sacked you fucking thirty-seven years ago. They're not going to be sacking me. I'm, I, as as with Tuvi and with Beaver, I never left the club to go elsewhere. <laughs> not like that fucking <laughs> Desi. Speaking of assistant Edit. coaches, that's the second time I've said it in this show, dude. I'm just going to say, just fucking straight through note, the keeper. Note to future Nate. Edit that out. I always do. First time I listen to it, you do through, not. You let slide because you get sloppy in your editing. I oh, no. we went through this earlier. Yeah, yeah, no, and I didn't let any slide last With week. Your sloppy editing. The only time I let him slide is when I actually purposely did, and that was basically just to see the reception. And everyone's like, "Oh, fuck it, don't censor him." So, what's Matt Parrish going to do for a job? Don't care if he's not at manly. Don't fucking give a shit. Might go to the dogs. Maybe you will. No, no, because Kelly is there. Got one eye on his driveway. If he sees the Dats and Sonny pull up, he's like, oh, God, here we go. He'll be out there for two fucking hours, this bloke. Maybe, I mean, you know, given... But I know what he's got in his glove box. Given that he's actually a well-regarded a well uh, coach uh, who they say can do the job as a head coach, maybe you'll head to the West Tigers because, let's face it, the current system's not fucking doing it, is it? Next story, David Penner moves up in the Manly organisation. Former Parramatta and South playmaker who's been juggling his sales manager role at 2GB with his NYC, a Toyota Cup coaching duties at the Seagulls, is one of the big beneficiaries following the defection of Des Hasler and other key staff. It's a bit of a dream come true. I'm really looking forward to what Penner said. I've been with the club going on seven years now. Obviously, there's been some great coaching staff ahead of me, and it's been a matter of time where you just have to wait and be patient. That's a good part about coaching. It doesn't matter how fast you can run anymore. I played with Jamie Lyon in his very first game of rugby league at Parramatta, so hopefully we'll do well and I'll get to coach him in his last game. That'd be nice. Penner has enjoyed success in the lower grades of the Seagulls and was recently touted as oh, a Oh, he's already trying to usurp Tuvi. No. Now he wants to coach Jamie Lyon his last game after I asked Tuvi and put knives in his back and getting sacked from the club. Oh, what what's going on at that club? What a fucking retard Who cares what David Penner does? If he was any good, he would have followed to bloody... What's his name? Hair Bear. Desi. Oh, out so the door. To, to, coach, to coach the uh, the Toyota Cup uh, Canterbury side. Oh, probably being assistant. Des needs all the assistance he can get, apparently. Well, he does need all the assistance he can get. You're absolutely right. But, I mean, at the moment, he's got, you know, he's got the first assistant, Kelly Egan, then second assistant, some other guy, third assistant, some other guy, and then he's got the guy that basically fucking runs the brush over the boots and gets all the mud off the tags, Jim Dimmick. Um, <laughs> and uh, so he's, he, uh, being being Toyota Cup coach, I mean, he's overseen the uh, development of a lot of the players uh, that won the premiership in 2011 with Manly. Premiership winners. I haven't seen the entire squad, but 60 or 70% of the full-time squad I've coached for two or three years or more and seen him turn into young men, Penner said. Everybody's not quite sure how Tuvi's going to go, but I can tell you right now he's going to be an outstanding rugby league coach. I can't wait to work with him. Until he usurps him and takes his job. Cat. He's a cat as well. It'll be a succession plan. Tuvi will coach the side for 10 years, probably get seven, maybe six, seven premierships in that time, and then uh, then I'll become David Penner's turn. And he'll probably go and he'll get six or seven premierships in the following 10 years. It'll be a fucking great time to be alive. ex Parramatta and South player. Yep. you want him running your club. <laughs> well, <Just saying. laughs> you took an ex-Cowboys coach that took him to the spoon fucking <laughs> a lot of years Won in a row. Won a premiership too, I might add. One, yeah, the only premiership in the club's history. Gee, what a lonesome. Well, I guess you'd be better than the Sharks. <laughs> better than the Sharks. Imagine that. At least you're better than the Sharks. <laughs> I'll sleep well, well at night. Well, you want as many premierships as the fucking Dragons, I'll I guess. I'll sleep well at night. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'd say you you won as many premierships as the Dragons, except they won a lot more recently. I'll still of course, sleep well at night. You know why, Nathan? Why is that? Because I'm not a. <laughs> <laughs> so what? You're just trying to create more editing for me now? Is that right? Yes. 
and I've got to, I hate to break it to you. I don't know who's been filling your head with lies, but you are. <laughs> Next story, David Gallup is in favour of fixing games. Schedules. NRL box, David Gallup has raised the prospect of a fixed schedule during the term he's of the next broadcast rights. Boss. I think you call him NRL box. Oh, he's Maybe a bit of a box to too. Maybe you that out too. Well, is in what? Like it's in a <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> NRL box, David Gallup. <laughs> blitz of C-bombs. <laughs> has raised the prospect of a fixed schedule during the term of the next broadcast right deal for all but the final few weeks of the season. With clubs and supporters campaigning for a fixed draw, Gallup has for the first time suggested the compromise package which would allow fans to know venue and times for NRL matches for all but the final month of the competition. Hurrah! In the last four weeks, the schedule would be drawn up to ensure teams fighting for the highest places in the Premiership are given top billing. The NRL now uses a rolling schedule, which we all know and hate, which gives supporters very little time to organise travel to matches and clubs to assemble corporate and fan support. Gallup is clearly a fan of fixed scheduling, as evidenced by the fact that he hasn't ever fucking done it. But while there have been many saying... Who wrote this shit? (laughs) He's clearly a fan of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fan of Gallup. But Um, Channel 9's not. But he's saying, while there have been many saying the administration should switch to a year-round fixed draw, he can still understand the logic of compromising for the networks who pay for the product. Certainly towards the end of the season, we can see an advantage in the blockbuster games being assured of being in the best time slots, Gallup said. The trick for the NRL will be balancing the needs and wants of supporters and clubs who could lock in long-term schedules against those of the networks who will bid for the next broadcast rights. Incumbent free-to-air provider Channel 9 has never been a fan of fixed scheduling and NRL officials will know that altering the current system will come at a price. The value of the next broadcast rights deal will be diluted somewhat. But with Gallup on the record saying that fixed scheduling is a goal of the administration and in all likelihood this will also be the aim of the new independent commission, it appears that either a totally fixed or predominantly fixed schedule is the likely result from 2013. It's certainly a goal, Gallup said. Moving to a fixed schedule is something the clubs and fans feel strongly about. Clearly we'll need to discuss it with the broadcasters and make an assessment on any change in value that it produces. Giving fans certainty around the schedule has a lot of upsides for the game. At the same time, making sure that our best games are in our best time slots is also an important consideration. Hmm. I just, I can't believe it's taken this long to even get to a point where he's willing to make somewhat of a compromise. Yeah, I can understand why, you know, Channel 9 say, yeah, they, they obviously want to pick their, the best, theoretically, the best two but games for Friday it? Night Football. Channel but... 9 shared the rights to AFL and they have a fixed schedule. So why yeah. is... Why do they have to dig their heels in with the NRL? It makes no sense. It's double standards. They just, they're just used to the way they've got it. With, I mean, they've got it very, very good with uh, Rugby League, NRL, and they just obviously want to keep it that way. I don't know why they don't just, you know, base it on the previous season. Because, yes, you do have teams that perform well in one season and they drop out, and there's always a surprise team or whatever that come back into the finals. But it's never like a wholesale change. You, you could do the average over the last several years. Yeah. And you know which teams rate best. Yeah. Regardless of where the fuck they are on the ladder. Yeah, and so why... Tigers always rate highly. No one watches Manly. Broncos rate highly. I mean... Well, Broncos rate highly... Broncos facts. Broncos Broncos rate highly in Brisbane, but they do have that split where if they do the, you know, the first game, second game thing on Friday Night Football where Queensland have to watch a Broncos, Titans or Cowboys game. Yeah. And New South Wales, you know, get another game and then have that other game second at 9.30. I think it's not rocket science. As long as you keep the fucking Sharks, South and Canberra off TV... Parramatta... Oh, Parramatta. Newcastle. And as long as Parramatta and Newcastle never play each other on TV, cannot lose. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's a, and, and also, I mean, you know, Parramatta versus, what is it, Sharks. Let's face it, just keep Parramatta off TV and you're probably all just right. Just keep Parramatta, stop them playing on TV at all. But Parramatta playing against Newcastle or Parramatta playing against Cronulla, it's TV cancer. 
And also the draw should ensure that they only happen once a year too. No home and away on that fixture. Yeah. And they should play it in Siberia. Well, with I mean, no crowd. Yeah. They should play Just it in like, a, in like a in like an in, in an ab- abandoned hangar. Yes. And they can set up cameras and they can film it, and, you know, so they can play it, uh, you know, at three AM for anyone who's fool enough to want to watch that shit. Exactly. But yeah, <laughs> okay. Um, they're saying with these rolling schedules and networks, they prefer because the teams that have been ex- expected to perform can quickly become ratings duds. At the start of the year, teams such as eventual premiers Manly, the Warriors, and Melbourne might have been ignored by broadcasters if the schedule was fixed before the right, season began. Too. Conversely, what three teams that all finish higher than than your team? My team rates better because they're exciting to watch. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, mistakes are pretty exciting. That's Bo, right. Bo spectacular fade-outs. People will watch that shit, Nathan. Bo, Bo it's Ryan's. like watching a train wreck. <laughs> I'm appalled, but I can't look away. <laughs> You'd do well if the West Tigers weren't on TV. You'd fucking live another 10 years. Damn straight. I mean, imagine, I'd have hair. I mean, if you... If I'd they, definitely if, have hair. If all of their games, without fail, were, were not broadcast on radio and were only broadcast delayed on TV to the point where you could hear what the result was and prepare yourself mentally for what was about to happen, you'd live another 10 years. I, with, I agree. Without a doubt. That's um, going to be one of our uh, big kickers next year is me watching games, yeah. you filming it, me watching games <laughs> with a heart rate monitor on. You just need to like, set, like, like, set up a webcam or something. We just have like Glenn cam. Fuck. <laughs> it's not pretty. I'm not sure anyone would really want to watch it. Yeah. I mean, like I get quiet watching games, especially when I'm stressed, but I'm... Um, and I might jump up and do a dance when, yeah, you know, when victories achieved. I remember specifically, I think it was the, the Cronulla, Cronulla game. game. Yeah, <laughs> when I got up and did a lap of the lounge room with the laptop in one hand, just ran around. But um, but usually I'm just kind of like, let's keep it together. Just keep yeah, quiet. I don't keep it together. Yeah, Nicklin <laughs> cares not for the game. She watches me. She <laughs> finds it quite entertaining. I just wonder with this broadcast rights deal, right? If if Channel Nine doesn't get it, and if it goes to public opinion, then Channel Nine will be arsehole out of it. <laughs> If Twitter, they ask Twitter to decide, yeah. then yeah, Channel and, 9, and you're gone. That's where all good decisions are made, Twitter decides. Hash, Twitter decides. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but who does the commentary? Do you think they'll buy Rabs or do you think they'll blood some new guys? I reckon they'll, they'll um, get rid of Rabs. Um, they may purchase uh, someone like Ray Hadley or someone like that to be the, mm-hmm. the leading caller. Um, you know, there's guys they could grab off ABC Grandstand Radio too, probably. Yeah, Warren Bowling. I mean, remember him on ABC Saturday, Saturday afternoon Arbos. football. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, he also the had, golden tonsils. He also had Tommy Radonikas too. The, gra- <laughs> the gravel, <laughs> the gravel mixed with Drano yeah. tonsils. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's there's good sides and bad sides like of that combination. Andreas Bocelli and Rebecca Black <laughs> in concert together. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, I'd I'd appreciate a fixed schedule because you know, then when you get the cheap flights come through, you go, oh, okay, bam, that cheap flight, those cheap flights, they're bam in the you know the round. I want to fly down and see a game. Yep. I know exactly what day. I know when I need to fly down. You know, so you, otherwise you're just like, damn. Okay, I'll spend a bit of time in Sydney next year. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Tigers better be winning games. They're premiership favourites after all. Yeah, oh, they're always premiership favourites. Let's face it. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. I mean, shit. I mean, the time is—it's it's like it's like clockwork. Around this time of year, you get a couple of r- absolutely ridiculous things happen. First, South say they're going to win the South comp. say they're going to win the comp, <laughs> and it happens earlier and earlier each year. Shops bring out their Christmas decorations. Happens earlier and earlier each year, and the Tigers become are installed as favourites for the next year's competition by the betting agencies. Happens earlier and earlier each year. The end result. It bought Adam Blair, Nathan. The only thing that happens is Christmas. 
You know who else we bought? <laughs> Joe Reddy. South. And Tom Humble. Oh, no, I mean, Humble. come on. South. Humble boy name. This is the funny thing. South and West, uh, they're actually real people. Santa's a fake one, and he's the only one that actually fucking happens out of those three things I mentioned. <laughs> How's that happen? Let's move on. Next story. It was rumoured, and now it's happened. Sir Benny brings Dane Laurie to the Knights. Wayne Bennett has thrown Dane Laurie a lifeline, granting the controversial forward a one-year deal with the Newcastle Knights. Kangaroos coach Tim Sheens, when we speak of super coaches, Kangaroos coach Tim Sheens predicted Laurie would have a Willie Mason-type impact on the game after he burst onto the scene in 2008. But since then, he's only played 23 NRL games. Well, and he's I had guess, the impact of, of the tail end of Willie's career. Well, I mean, let's, Willie Mason never put it together for more than a couple of sets of six. So, so he probably has had that kind of impact. Laurie was released by the West Tigers for disciplinary reasons and suffered a similar fate at Penrith. The Panthers ultimately sacking him for drinking on a flight to Auckland with feeder team Windsor Wolves. He told the Herald at the time that he drank three bourbon and colas to ease his fear of flying. The 27-year-old has been playing for the Macquarie Scorpions in the Newcastle Rugby League competition since his axing and has done enough to convince Knights officials he's worth another chance. The Yamba product was named in the inaugural Indigenous All-Stars team and former Panthers coach Matthew Elliott once remarked, the guy has that much potential and he's been nothing but a dream to coach. <laughs> That's why Matt Elliott is not a coach anymore. Yeah. You know since, why? Because Matt Elliott was asleep during most of his <laughs> tenure at Penrith. Since then, a string of disciplinary problems have threatened his career, but with Bennett now at the helm of the Knights, those close to Laurie believe he's in the right environment to fulfil his potential. Laurie will join recruits Darius Boyd, Tamana Tahu, Kate Snowden, Adam Cuthbertson, and returning club legend Danny Medeiros in the Newcastle squad for 2012. What do you say? I've got no that? words. None. I got. I got. I got absolutely no words. I just. I like that he seems to be following Tamana Tahu wherever he goes. Yeah, yeah. As we alluded to at the top of the show with the um, the racial epithet. It's like chocolate fluffy. <laughs> chocolate fluffy. <laughs> so I get that now. You get that now. I get that now. That uh, reference. All that. All that time showing you YouTube clips after the show, after recording the show, it's having are finally bearing fruit. <laughs> Slowly um, educating. Good, good. I say I'd like to say good luck to Dane Laurie, but I'm more inclined to say good luck Wayne Bennett. Yeah. I mean, you think you think you achieved something with Adam Cuthbert? Of all the things he's done in his career, if he makes a consistent first grade contributor out of Dane Laurie and keeps him on the straight and narrow, mm-hmm. greatest achievement of his coaching career. Quite possibly, yes. And I don't have anything else to say about that, other than the fact that I cannot see that happening. The Ryan Tandy special is back on the menu. Former Parramatta Eels player Brad Murray could face criminal charges after sensationally admitting in court yesterday he lied in a police statement when he claimed his manager Sam Ayub told him an NRL match had been set up, in quotes. Murray was called to give evidence at the hearing for former league star John Elias, who has been charged over the alleged NRL match-fixing scandal that centred on an exotic betting plunge on a match between the Bulldogs and North Queensland Cowboys in Townsville last year. Today's witness list reads like a big league program. Michael Ennis, Kevin Moore, Alan Thompson and Michael Hodgson. But it's difficult to imagine any of these household names upstaging yesterday's bombshell testimony from Murray. Murray said he was placed under immense pressure and duress by Eels officials to provide a statement that claimed his agent, Ayub, had told him the game was set up. 
Murray's statement was used last month during the trial that convicted ex-Bulldogs prop Ryan Tandy of the same charge Elias and Ayub now face, attempting to gain financial advantage by deception. Elias has pleaded not guilty to placing bets on the Cowboys to score first with a penalty goal. That didn't happen after the team opted for a quick tap and scored a try instead. Ayub's charged with the same offence and will face court next week. Tandy's appealed his conviction and uh, Murray's about face is sure to be noted by his lawyers ahead of the district court date in January. I think we need a reenactment. I think there could have been a bit of a uh, conversation between Johnny Elias and this Mr. Is all, Murray. This is uh, this is like the next season of Underbelly playing. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'd like you to meet my new girlfriend, Brad. Her name's Marjorie. Marjorie, meet Brad. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, tell Marjorie about your testimony. <laughs> uh, wow, what do you like? <laughs> so many possibilities of sordid behaviour between these characters. You just would not know what's yeah. gone down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this kid. I mean, I'd imagine that. Um, you know, he's probably just a, he's a, probably a stupid kid. But you'd have to wonder why. I mean, the first question I have is why is he coming out and saying that he lied now, right at the time when his testimony would be used against John Elias? Yeah, it's very very fishy. I smell a rat. I do and uh well yeah and the rat is Murray and and Elias is trying to clean up the you know intimidate maybe intimidate the witness or something well allegedly allegedly I mean I that's purely maybe. purely speculation purely speculation from overacting I mean, imagination because clearly we watch too much you know Underbelly and Sopranos yeah and stuff like that I Good mean fellas. that stuff doesn't go on in real life Brad Murray's just had a bit face yeah but uh very interesting and uh yeah, I mean these these sorts of things. What happens with Tandy's case then? And does he, if he gets acquitted, does any club pick him up? Yeah, I think. Imagine he, that. I think yeah, he'd be a, he'd be a struggle to pick up. I mean, maybe the yeah. Cowboys. Imagine that, Robert Louis. <laughs> oh dear. Isaac Luke just keeps on digging. Isaac Luke has admitted deliberately trying to break the leg of England halfback Rangy Chase during the Four Nations. Luke was given a two-match ban for twisting the leg of Chase, who was also his cousin, during the Kiwis' 28-6 defeat by England in Hull in the semi-final. Or semi-final, the last pool game that actually had him knocked out of the final. The South Sydney hooker said he was angered by New Zealand-born Chase's decision to play for England. I just saw Red, Luke, who apologised, told the Sydney Morning Herald... A lot of the legends that played in the black and white jersey, they wanted blood. I know Ruben Wiki wanted blood. I guess that's just the mentality of us young ones that have taken on board. We had to talk the night before about what the jersey meant and that, that must have come out. When you come up against your family, you want to outplay them. I didn't outplay him. I tried to break his leg. It was the wrong thing to do. Now I see that. At the time, I didn't. After the game, I said sorry. He said, it stays on the field. <laughs> what a fucking imbecile, honestly. <laughs> And, and you know, Ruben Wiki, in my understanding, and everything that I've ever seen or heard about Ruben Wiki, is that he's exactly the type of player that wouldn't <laughs> tell someone to play dirty. I could imagine him being passionate. I could imagine him yeah. smashing the bloke in a fair tackle. Yeah, yeah. Or a shoulder charge or something yeah. like that. Or running at him until he was stretched off the field. Yeah. I couldn't imagine him trying to break someone's leg. No. And I can't imagine him telling someone that that's what that's you know that's what he wants. Um, and like I've got some absolute pricks in my family, like 
cousins and stuff like that yeah. that I haven't spoken to in years and have no intention of ever speaking to again. Yeah. Not sure I really want to break their leg. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you want to break their necks. Yeah. So. Maybe not their, not their would, legs, but, though. But you wouldn't do it in like, you know, in a game of backyard footy at, at a family <laughs> reunion <that>. barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and admittedly, you know, the, the Four Nations is, you know, it's a much bigger stage than, you know, a family reunion barbecue in the backyard. I just... But even so, there's a lot of cameras on it. I just don't understand what he's thinking. And the fact that he's... Re- a, he's admitted trying to break the leg of the guy. B, it's his cousin. <laughs> I mean, it's just mist- it's mystifying. It's better, <sighs> doesn't it? So, he's a gift that keeps on giving. Hasn't he... Um, this last six weeks or so of international football... Yeah, Isaac he, Luke's reputation hasn't that gone to pot? Oh, he's he's absolutely and and you see like the flip side of that coin is you know Paul Gallon, you know the redemption continues. Yeah. Had a minor detour when he donkey kicked uh, Bo Henry in the face, but other than that, um, he's been fantastic all season. Isaac Luke, who previously yeah he played, he was also he was known as like a little tough guy. Yeah, hard but, player. But, but I don't remember him being such a. I mean, he's been. He diving, did admit in been, the interview that. You know, there's no. He needs to get that stuff out of his game, and yeah, he literally said, "I'm regretting it, but I can't take it back. I need to wipe all that stuff out of my game." Well, it's good that you. It's good that you can appreciate the situation you're in, Isaac. Now, but but <laughs> yeah, now let's put it into practice, shall we? I mean, there's literally there was an incident. He had an incident in every game, I think, except for maybe the Welsh game. It was two cannonball tackles. Two cannonball, yeah, one, on, one on Shilo, and then he had the one on uh, Chase. Yeah. And the who was a can- there was another cannonball in the Newcastle test, wasn't there? Oh no, no! I think the big in- oh, oh, was it was it in that test? I mean, they had the one against Shiloh in the first game of the Four Nations. Yeah, there was one before was that it, too. I think. Yeah, because I remember the big incident now. That Newcastle test was Russell Packer with the elbow on Lockie's yeah, head. Yeah. Um, got some quick fire stories. Tim Sheen's thinking of pulling the pinners to coach the Australian team after avenging the only loss under his regime. Yay or no? Um, I think it's good that he's the Australian coach because it gives uh, some Tigers players a saloon passage into the national side, and that's always good. Um, it also gives him access to some of the best players who might be coming off contract and he might be able to persuade them to come play for the Tigers. Adam but, Blair. Sorry? Adam Blair, who doesn't play for Australia. <laughs> Tom Humble. Joel Reddy, who Joel doesn't Reddy. play for Australia. I mean, these sorts of players. Tom Humble, who doesn't play luminous. for Australia. <laughs> Okay, we actually see the fruits of his labour. But geez, I know he's working hard behind the scenes. <laughs> Robbie Farrow doesn't what he, play for Australia. Yeah, he had a word. He had a word to uh, Jared Hayne, who doesn't play for Australia anymore. Yeah. Who uh, had a word to Nathan Hindmarsh, who doesn't play for Australia anymore. Who then went down to reserve grade and spoke to Joe Reddy and Tom Humble. And they went, oh, we'd love to play for the Tigers. We'd love to play for Australia. <laughs> you, tell, you tell Jared to tell Timmy... If Jared ever plays for Australia again and gets to see Tim, tell him to tell Tim that we're interested. And that's yeah. that's, that's where these things start, Nathan. And um, my take is, I, I honestly don't care if he does or it doesn't, because I mean, obviously the Australian team, uh, it's always a quality bunch of players yeah. and a quality nucleus. They could coach themselves anyway. I mean, Matt I, I, Parrish. They could. Matt Parrish could coach them. I mean, Scarecrow. Matt Elliott. Matt Elliott could coach them to success. Honestly. Come on, mate. That, that's <laughs> ludicrous. I'm telling you, for a Dane Laurie will get a run. That'd be a challenge. Dane Laurie will get a run for Australia. Yeah, but that's what they should do. Maybe like the other international teams can pick Australia's national coach from the, the NRL head coaches <laughs> as like a method of trying to handicap them to even up the international game a bit more. <laughs> that's Hello. a brilliant idea. I'm taking it to the independent commission. David Ferner. 
He's insistent already. Is yeah. the next step? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's not as funny as it sounds. And that guy's only an NRL head coach through, because of family connections. Because my God, they've been patient with him. Yeah, I, I wouldn't mind seeing Shenzi have all his focus and attention on the Tigers, but I think he's done a pretty good job with the Australian side. And like I said, it does give him access and influence over those those players. And the Australian side thing is only it's only a weekend, one weekend per you know season. Anyway, I mean the other stuff comes at the end of the year. Anyway, no, Sheens is he's, he's such a perfectionist, mate. And he I mean he can so assemble. much time and effort. And they keep adding side. You know they had players. Yeah, you know, as squad. the season wound down, mate, he was starting to look towards the Four Nations, and he was just That's thinking, right. instead of instead of spending more time out on the field with Lottie to catch those high balls and Maltz to clean up those drops that Lottie makes on those high balls. <laughs> Say Chris Nininu can't dive through and pick up a fucking ball and score a fucking try in the last 20 seconds to knock the Tigers out of our fucking season. <laughs> you actually got tears sitting in your there, eyes. <laughs> sitting actually... there planning Australia's games against Australia, I mean, about New Zealand and England. Your eyes actually got misty then as you said fucking that. Fucking hell. I'm not even joking. Let's move on. Listeners, I'm not even joking. Your eyes got misty then during that tirade. That was fantastic. The other one I was going to say is. um. I remember during the Origin series, it was all it was all about uh, Darren Lockyer, Darren Lockyer, Darren Lockyer. It's his final thing, blah blah. Darren Lockyer. But in Game Three, they were also saying that it was like on the down low that it'll be Petro's last game as well. But an article came out this week saying that uh, now he hasn't decided if he's going to quit uh, from representative football and he's going to make his mind up after the trial matches. So Petro, representative, yeah, I know. He can play as long as he wants. I don't care. I would imagine so too. It's a legend. Legend of the game. Why there, there's it? enough props there between Chilo and Hannett and Matt Scott. Scott yeah. Those sorts of guys. There's enough props there to, to cover for him if he does decide to uh, hang up his representative boots, but I have no issue with him playing on. He certainly didn't um, didn't disappoint anyone in this year. This series just gone, so. Yep. Never has. I love Petro. He can play as long as he wants. Recaps. One recap. Last recap of the year. The Four Nations final. Australia 30. Defeated England 8. 2011 Rugby League season and Darren Lockyer's glittering career have drawn to a close as the Kangaroos predictably slaughtered the English 30-8 to at Ellen Road. Australia started on fire with sexual chocolate Sam Thiday grabbing first points for the Kangaroos converted for a 6-0 lead. Despite dominating the match, Australia struggled to get any further ahead with the video ref denying tries to the Uate Pate and Chris Betty White Lawrence. The Lawrence decision particularly looking a little bit harsh. It's a complete disgrace is what it was. I said a little bit harsh, but yeah, I think this, that, that should have been a try. Denying Chris Lawrence a try. Oh, I mean, I don't care who's on the end of it. Arena. I don't care who's on the end of it. I mean, even Betty White doesn't bother me. Does not bother me. <laughs> You're trying. Should have been a try. You're fishing, but it's not happening. See, just that, just that response means that it is happening. <laughs> the fact you need to comment on it means it is happening. Oh, it's happening. This is actually happening. Um, <laughs> this shit just got real. They were followed by T-Rex, who in the 31st minute did all the hard work, but lost control of the ball at the death. Then, As right manly before, players do. Except in the grand final, when they win the grand final. 
and become the Premiers. Then, right before half-time, we had the most controversial moment of the match, with Ryan Hall being awarded a penalty try after he clearly dropped the ball over the line following a half-hearted trailing arm from Jonathan Thurston. The video referee made the determination that the reason Hall dropped the ball was the high shot, in quotes, from JT and awarded the try. Conversion tied it up at 6-all. Yeah, that that was a pretty poor decision as well. And this fucking morons are like, oh, Thurston, he, d- he nearly took his head off. <laughs> it was one of those lazy trailing arms where he basically gave him a slap across the cheek. Is it any wonder players get sent off in the Super League in like 15... Well, Morley and players like yeah, that get sent yeah. off in 15 seconds. But then again, Morley found a way. Yeah, he, he, he Morley got sent off in Australia a lot too, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, I mean, he did coat hanger people. That was his go. <laughs> I mean, that was his signature move. But um, <laughs> if he was a rock and roll wrestler. Yeah, it was his finisher. <laughs> I just... There was... Was it actually the Thurston arm that the penalty try was given for, or was it for the the following effort from Luke Lewis in oh, the Luke, act of scoring? Because Luke Lewis didn't really do anything though. Yeah. I mean, with the penalty try, I mean, you got two. There's two separate situations. You have got the penalty try and the eight point try. Yeah. The eight point try involves being fouled in the motion of or after scoring the try. Which, if you're going to do that, then you know mate, Luke Lewis did nothing wrong really. But if you were going to do it, then that, that would be what Luke Lewis would get pinged with. But that wasn't it. It was a penalty try. So what they're saying is he was 100% guaranteed of scoring that try, but for the fact that Thurston cuffed him in the face. And the fact is, he held the ball fine after Thurston, still had the ball fine until he went to ground the ball, and then the collision with Luke Lewis knocked the ball free. So there's just no way. I mean, a penalty to England, absolutely. But a try, no way. Not often you see penalty tries either, so it's a pretty ballsy decision in a in a four nations final. Yeah, yeah, and clearly engineered to uh, try and make the game competitive. But how did that work out? No good. Yeah, not not that, not that well. Uh, right on half time, Australia took the lead back where they drew a penalty for offside after a period of sustained attack. Thurston took the two points on offer, and it was eight six at Oranges. England struck back ten minutes into the second half with a Sinfield penalty goal, and we're tied up again, eight all. That was the last moment of joy for the poor old Pommies, and from that moment on, it was all Australia. And this time, they didn't make the same grounding errors as the first half. The onslaught began five minutes later with a simple left-to-right catch and pass sequence to put Yao in for a simple try, 14-8. JT crossed for a try of his own in the 61st minute before Inglis scored in the 68th minute to well and truly ice the games and bring the Kangaroos to a 26-8 lead. But the scoring wasn't finished. And despite having more final games than John Farnham's had final tours, the script delivered one last memorable moment for Darren Lockyer. As Australia pressed for another try, grubber kick ricocheted off the goalpost. Lockyer grounded the ball for the final try of the match and his career, 30 points to 8. He followed this up by being given the honour of taking the conversion attempt, and he probably wishes he didn't, as he produced quite possibly the biggest spray from in front that I've <laughs> ever seen outside of Benji Marshall's boot. Final score, 30 points to 8. Uh, it was good to see him get the last try. Couldn't have scripted it any better. Fuck me, that was funny though. That, that, that it was oh, just like, wow. It's gonna be got to be one of the top three, I reckon. Bad sprays. I mean, it's pretty sad, you know, for all the things that he's achieved and the Origin series that he's captain, the premierships that he's captain and played in, and and the you know the records that that he's owns now, and it's all gonna be boiled down. His entire career is gonna be remembered for that one penalty kick miss. And you see it all the time, you know, in last in last matches, like, um, you know, McDougal had a shot at goal. They give props a shot at goal from in front, and they bang it over yeah. in the grand final. And he like, used to kick goals, like. And he used to kick. This, this he is was actually a very good he kicker. He was a goal kicker. And you see, like, in the grand final, Wangman was given a kick that wasn't the easiest one. It was probably about, you know, 15 metres in from the right touchline. Mm. He banged it over. 
and Darren gets it from not in front, but you know the next best thing. It was probably a meter to the right of the uprights, yeah. and um, yeah, just sprayed it. But um, still, great game for Australia. Be concerned about it. The game went pretty much exactly the same way as I thought it would. With yeah, Australia winning about I, I the thought same it was going to be a lot closer, time. but I'm not sure England put up the fight, and I think Australia really lifted their game um, to nullify any chance that England had um, early in that second half and, and ram home their advantage in class. And there was really not much English could do about it, and it just proved that they're just not very good at sport. Yeah, pretty really. much. And um, and it's not only sport. Eddie and Steve-O. Eddie and steve not They're not good at commentary either. Not I mean, good refereeing. I mean, I said on I said on Twitter that um well they had Matt Chechens. I mean, you know he he's our bad. But um, <laughs> but Eddie and Steve-O. I'm sure he's I'm sure he's got English blood, Chechen. I said on Twitter that Eddie and Steve-O make Jason Costigan look like Frank Hyde, and I and, so true. And with their big call, like they're baying for blood. They're almost asking for Thurston to be sent off for that little <laughs> little love tap. Um, and same things like oh, it took his head right off. And like, come on, fucking come on, man, and um. Another friend, another friend of the show, uh, on Twitter at the Trophy Box. I can't remember the exact content of his tweet, but it was very accurate, saying that the English commentary follows the same pattern every single time in finals. <laughs> it's like the first forty minutes, it's like it's our year, and then the first twenty minutes of the second half, it's like we can still win it. Yeah. And the last twenty minutes is like depression. We shit depression. Yeah. Australia is too good for us <laughs> every single time. Um, yeah, I mean, it's good to see Australia at the top of the uh, rugby league tree again, where they belong. And I, know, I was disappointed in England. I, I, As we said last week, I, I figured the game was going to be a lot closer, but I think Australia exploited Tompkins' frailties under the high ball. Um, yeah. He didn't really get a chance to, to show yeah. too much in attack, and I thought they, um, they controlled him very well. And, and when he was put under pressure, I don't think he stood up to it quite as well as what he did in the last game, so... I think the England got away with fucking murder at times too when they play the ball and and had to start then the guy would get up to play the ball and just pushing just yeah. doing his one handed plow snow plow to try and push the markers away, just shit like that which is part of the Eng- the English game. Um, England, you, you said that you were disappointed in England and I mean by definition disappointment would mean you know that they failed to meet your expectations. I'm the exact opposite. I'm very I'm satisfied. I guess, I guess I'm satisfied with England because they did exactly what I thought <laughs> they'd do. Uh, sweet fuck all. Um, it's unfortunate, you know, for English listeners that thought they'd uh, be better. And, and their jerseys are fucking horrible. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, Crusader smear jersey, <laughs> whatever just, they want to call I just it. Don't get it. Um, and our uh, our UK correspondent Matt Boyle uh, once again hasn't disappointed. Oh, hasn't he's he always his, got something to fucking say? He's been mouthing off the whole entire Four Nations, and he's uh he's his last mouthing off. I've made sure I've watched the game twice before I posted. <laughs> Once again, the Aussies show us why they're the best. I don't think we played badly, but they completely... What are you, nu- a fucking idiot? But they completely played badly. <laughs> but they completely nullified Tompkins, and our halves gave us no final ball. Thurston is class, in brackets, possibly the best in the world at the moment. Although I would question if he should have been on the pitch. His high shot was worse than T-Rex's in the Wembley game. Oh, no my God. I knew you'd love that one. You've only watched the game twice, and you still think that, you idiot. Your boys. It's like the first time he's ever watched rugby league, and he watched it twice, and he still got it wrong. Dickhead. Your boys do the simple things so well, and we make far too many mistakes. And I even had a smile for Lockyer at the end, in the world of <laughs> this week in league's revelation of the 2011 season. I love Lockie. Oh, and one more thing. 
Banter and light-hearted patriotism, xenophobia aside, the show gets better and better, and I'm sure I speak for the majority of fans when I say, thanks, fellas, keep up the good work. Shut up, Matt. So he's ridiculous. Don't try himself. and suck up now. Don't <laughs> try and bring my son into it and then yeah. suck up. England England have been vanquished, and uh, and he's he's content with his, his role now in yeah, life. And, uh, and he could get a job commentating. <laughs> Started out with so much hope, and then like false hope, and then depression. Yeah. <laughs> and then sucking up. And then a moment of extreme defiance in, in, in insisting that Thurston should have been sent off. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. You're better than that. Well, no, no, he's not. Are you English? Maybe not. <laughs> okay, so there are no previews this week because there is no more footy to be had. So... We did a uh, we put it out on Twitter for people to hit us with the, their memories of the NRL 2011 season, and let's just hit up the Twitter feed and uh, see what people have said. Annalise underscore zero eight, as always, a great contributor to the show, and her, one of her memories is fighting security guards for a photo with Snake off oh, for the four thousandth photo. How many photos do you need with Brett Stewart? I guess that's the question I Well, it ask. depends on the extent of a stalker that you are. But for Annalise, clearly there is no end to that. Oh, look, it's you. You've got a memory. The Tigers beating Manly. What a, le- that, what a legend that person is. Oh, that's me. Yeah, you. Sorry, <laughs> <I> tagged you. <laughs> then we've got Berkeley underscore Eagle. Brett Stewart's incredible catch and pass to Cherry Evans off Foran's banana kick versus Brisbane. I agree, that we was there, magnificent. It was good. It was magnificent. Oh, and, he, and his next one's great. He sent through a heap. Hey, don't skip over my other one. Oh, sorry. Well, I mean, that's a isn't that's a bit masturbatory, isn't it? It is a bit. So this is you saying it, hosting the number one rugby league podcast on the planet this week in league. Fuck yeah! <laughs> Come on. That's hey, you asked me what my memories of the footy season were. Yeah. Okay. My best memory. Berkeley Eagle chimes in again uh, and says uh, that uh, Darcy Lussick's bitch slap on Hinchcliffe, <laughs> which was magnificent, and one, and certainly that that entire game that the way we. Are there anyone the storm, that's not a Manly fan said anything? Um. Yeah. Got to get to them though. The Manly fans are the best listeners we have on the show. So, you know, they're obviously... Clearly, they're just hanging around. Everyone's like, fuck them over. We still won. We still won. At least someone's interested in the season. We still won. (laughs) The Tigers fans have been off for months. (laughs) Oh, here, look. I've got a 2001 NRL memory. 2001? 2011. You, rocking the Manly chance at the grand final. You've got better moments than that, surely. Yeah, but that was a pretty sweet moment though. <laughs> and then the people start retweeting that one. Teachers how to support your team. Berkeley, Clearly got no idea. Berkeley Eagles come through with another great memory: the Tigers choking versus the Warriors. I fucking hate that bloke. Sensational. Oh, he's got another memory: sending Lockyer out a loser. Yeah. <laughs> Sensational. That bloke's about eighty-seven. That's a, those things are about the only things he will remember. Annalise again. She's come in and said Brett Stewart's gallop, Brett Stewart's hat trick, and the Brookie brawl. Fantastic. I agree. <laughs> Bones. <laughs> Uh, what are, uh, uh, get to the doggy supporter. Here we go. That's the doggy first supporter. time we've ever wanted this, to hear from a doggy supporter. And this is sensational. Helios, I love this one. When we beat the Paris scum, thanks to a well-placed fist to Jared Haynes' jaw. Yes, that was magnificent. And he's coming again and said, uh, and then when we beat them again in extra time, and completely broke their spirit. <laughs> Agreed. He's such a hateful little person. I love it. <laughs> and uh, what have we got here? Uh Eagle Rock 11, Manly fan. Robbie Farah's four-metre forward pass to win at Blue Tongue versus Manly. So he had the same memory as you, except he remembered it in the correct way. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the scoreboard at the end. That's and, all that matters. Uh, Berkeley Eagles coming again. 
oldie, uh, Michael Oldfield's 80 minute, 80th minute try versus Cronulla win, and that was another one that I did have on my list. Um, I'm going I'm to skip over some because we've got a lot, a lot of people kind of double up on them. The Real Jedi come in, uh, Manly 2011 Premiers, enough said, agreed. Uh, <laughs> Risby, Riz666 has said that he's... <laughs> I guess I didn't specify it had to be good memories. No, exactly. Because he said, uh, going to the Vuvuzela of the year in Newcastle in the rain, Newcastle versus Parramatta. My God, that would have sucked. Oh. <laughs> and then we got GT351Johns, who um, he's changed his Twitter display picture to an egg again, because <laughs> um, uh, he's a bit of a fucking egg. And yeah. he said, uh, watching those stupid turd burglars manly implode and die a slow death will be the best memory. So I guess what he's saying is he doesn't have any 2011 memories, so he's trying to... He's trying to conjure up a future memory it's very interesting <laughs> that's actually his head that's not Nick oh my mistake Nigel Bridgman the brawl at Brookvale the closest I've ever come to shedding tears of joy NRL equivalent of a double rainbow <laughs> <laughs> oh that's going to be that, I think that's going to be my, my tweet of the, the day unless we see something else. Oh, here's, here's the best and one here's the low light Devon Head at Devon Head his memory getting a hug from Glenn Retweeted. It wasn't exactly plus, in a minority and, there, and, was pl- he? And plus one by Annalise. And then uh, Cam, at Fall of Reach, he's popped in and said uh, plus one to that as well, but he got several hugs. Yes. So, hash slut. So, hash <laughs> slut. So, yeah. And I think he's referring to you. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and then we've got another. We've got two people. Annalise and someone. Gab is Migo. Saying wow. the memory was... Uh, NRL uh, Dragons versus Canterbury in the rain. I can't even fucking... Well, nah, can't remember it. I don't remember. Oh, wow, that's their best memory of the year and I've got no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was and, that uh, when Darius Boyd scored that try where the Bulldogs broke free and they had to make the last pass and he intercepted it, ran the length of the field and scored? Yes, I think it may have been that one. Jeez, I've got a good memory. You had a great memory. When, where, why do you only just start bringing that out now? <laughs> it's almost done, man. <laughs> so, thank you guys for memories. What are your memories? I mean, you 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 tweeted yourself one of them, but uh, oh, I think there's been a lot. I think actually, uh, we did. I think we had a couple. Some people actually. Geez, we watched hashtag. some footy this year, though. Fuck we had the All Stars game. We had like as far as live footy, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, All Stars game, the Test match, double header, double header, Grand State Final, Origin, Round Twenty Six, State of oh, Fuck, yeah. We got to a bit, not as much as a lot of people. I mean, admittedly, oh, I mean, Jesus. the people that live in live in Sydney are obviously spoiled, and like people like Annalisa who mentioned, I mean, like her and her crew, like the amount of games they fucking went to was ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they they were doing like you know up to three games a weekend sometimes. Yeah. I mean, seventy something games or whatever they went to. Yeah, right? unbelievable. Bullshit. Great effort. Great effort. Uh, we got a couple of people who actually didn't use the hashtag and just tweeted us, and uh, Amanda Rose Long. Who's a thorn in the side, really, a Broncos, a Broncos supporter. So the best moment was Lockie's field goal and Queensland six in a row. The fight was filthy five-on-one grub manly. And that was actually in response to someone saying that their great memory was, um, well, Evil Pandas. He actually started it off by saying the two things that stood out. Choppy is the guest host. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and the fight, the, the wrap-up of the fight on the show. So not the fight itself, just our wrap-up of it. Um and we had uh, Tad Pike, our favourite uh, South Sydney supporting American listener of the show. And he said his, uh, his biased favourite memory was uh, Mad Monday after the grand final as we got to meet him. Yes, and he got to booze up. <laughs> and he got to booze up and uh, looking forward to the 2012 shows. 
Um, so, yeah, talk yourself no, up. There's still a chance we might break up in the talk, off season. Talk yourself up, Tad. Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> um, where are we got up here? Oh, and Amanda, Amanda Long starts busting out things. The third best was Des walking out of Manly. Um, who else sent some through? Oh, and there we go. Favourite moment of the year. Dogged Tim came out. That was uh, referring to the Brookie Brawl. Um, and I would, I would imagine that a lot of people would have to put that, that down. That was a great no moment. Matter, no matter who you support. Um, I don't remember too many footy fans. I mean, there was a lot of p- parents and people like that blowing up about it. But Well, parents the hard, were. The David hard, Gallup was saying the parents would. The hardcore uh, footy fans loved it. There's yeah. no doubt about that. All right. Now, sorry I interrupted before because we had some more tweets, but um, your memories personally of oh, the 2011 a, season. It's been a massive year. We got to watch a lot of footy, as I said. Um, going to my first grand final. Um, seeing Lockie, a couple of his lasts. Getting onto Suncorp Stadium. Actually, getting, yeah, I forgot about that. I got to see awesome. the Tigers play once this year. It was that fucking horrible game at, at Skilled Park where I had hell's own trouble just getting to the ground and then... Then Todd Payton Todd, fucked up the play of the Todd balls. Todd Payton in. played the ball sideways twice. And, and uh, allowed the Titans to win their only game of the season. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's a shame I didn't get to see the Tigers more, but if that was an indication of what was going to happen wherever I watched them, then it's probably not a bad thing. Otherwise, we might not have made it as far as we did, only to be horribly knocked out when we should have won. Gagging on a hungy. Jesus. <laughs> it still hurts. It still hurts after all these weeks. What's it been, like eight weeks now? Uh, it's, I, 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 don't, I don't know. No, weeks. it's been more than that. It's, it's probably probably closer to 10, I think. It's quite sad. Quite uh, sad that I hold on to these things. I'm trying to think of my memories. I mean, definitely the like oldies try against uh, against the Sharks. I mean, that whole grand last... Grand final, obviously, being number one. Grand, yeah, grand final, uh, winning grand final is number one. Um, yeah, and, and also, as uh, Tad said, I mean... The actual Mad Monday thing, that was a great day too. Yeah, it was. And just the grand final, everything the around Mimos the grand final. Like, yeah, the Mimos are <laughs> sensational. And just and meeting people at the grand final as well, that yep. was great. I mean, there was a big group there. Um, Something we, we hope to do a lot more of next season. So Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, what else would stand out? State I mean, of Origin. Yeah. And Lise came up and we got to and hang that, around with a bunch of people at the Caxton, which was great. Yeah, and that rang a chick pissed on the seat. Sensational yeah. work. Don't even um, remember that. <laughs> well, we we didn't have her, that that one pissing on the seat, although she did seem to be near us. But we had that one that was just passed out and actually got carried out unconscious yeah, from the. Uh, she might <laughs> have the pissed on the seat, but it wouldn't be. She would have had she, if she was conscious. Yeah, she wouldn't she have been would, voluntarily. No, no, um, just lost all function. Getting down on Lang Park was awesome. Suncorp, I should say, on the ground. Yeah, awesome on that magnificent carpet of grass that oh, they've got there. Sensational. And uh, watching that guy sign his name on the post and covering for him. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, well, I mean, he's the only one. <laughs> the, photo was taken, the photo was taken on his phone, so he's got away with it. The, um, um, I think the biggest highlight Hello, Turf, is, hello is, Turf for Brookie Oval as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, um, we've achieved a lot this year. We've taken some major steps with the show as well and met, uh, you know, we've gathered a heap more fans and, and followers um, through the various modes of of uh, the website and, and social media, so which is great. I think we've the show's improved and it's got funnier in stretches and less funny in other stretches. <laughs> but it's, people seem to find it entertaining, which is uh, a constant source of uh, gratitude for me and amusement at the same time. 2011, that's it. It is. It's done, mate. So, um... Congratulations on uh, a premiership victory and a uh, another year of mediocre podcasting. <laughs>
<laughs> oh, sensational. Thank you very much. Um, I'm still coming Tuesday nights for dinner, right? Yeah, that's okay. You go for dinner. Oh, we wrapped the show up yet. Anyway, that was just season 2011 memories. We wrapped the show up after. We've got okay. some more to go. Have we? Yeah. What? we got to wrap up. What have we got to wrap up? We just yeah, wrapped everything We got the up. usual stuff. We, got the, we wrapped up the season, but I mean, we've got the episode. Should we just go straight into the wrap up then? I okay. guess we do. So that's full time for episode 75. That it is. Bam, straight into it. Are you trying to, you're trying to crack an hour, aren't you? No, no, definitely not. In fact, we've gone so much longer than I thought we would. As always, you can interact with us on Twitter, so follow at TWI League. On Facebook, as you know, facebook.com forward slash This Week in League and Google Plus. So if you haven't fanned us up or added us to a circle on Google Plus, then make sure you do. I've been looking into ways that we can uh, use Google Plus um, in interesting ways. It's another uh, fucking and- thing I'm going to have to learn. You know how much I struggle with this stuff. Yes, yes, but um, I've got some good ideas, which I'll tell you once we uh, hit stop on the episode with Google+. Plus, um, iTunes, uh, if you're listening to this in the off-season, uh, chuck on a review, just like listener Ben Johnson. I assume he's the one that's not uh, affected by steroid use. <laughs> Five stars, simply the best. Knowledgeable, concise, funny, entertaining. No, really. I'm only just posting this because I'm bitching that no one posted any reviews last week. In brackets, episode 74. There you go, boys. Someone loves you. Gotta love Keefe. <laughs> what a legend. Yeah, he's what a legend. But I, mean, I don't think we're bitching about it. I think we're just stating that, you know, the season no, winds we down and people... We, oh, I think I did. I said, did, what did the you, fuck is wrong oh, with did you people? Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I actually, I looked at my notes from last... I was like, I'm sure I was just sort of saying, you know, like just stating that the facts that the season winds down, people become less interested as their team loses touch with the finals and then after the grand final itself, then obviously, you know... Drops off it drops lot. It drops off a lot because, you know, that's... Given the ridiculous coverage and lack of coverage in the Four Nations, I mean, people don't really get to see... You know, it takes a certain effort to get up at three and four in the morning to watch a game. Um... As you know, shirts are coming in. Uh, we've got some ramp-up time while the printer uh, actually sets up. Uh, so if you uh, wanted to get one of the 2011 Revelation t-shirts, act now as you're listening to it right now to get in on the run because it's definitely going to be... It, I mean, they're going to have to commence printing probably by the end of the week. Um, there's going to be limited stock on the first run. Um over and above what the pre-order... Uh, what the, pe- the people that pre-order, there's going to be extra stock... Um, other than those shirts, but the sizes will be limited in number um, because it'll basically just come down to our best guesses how we, you know, split up the remaining sizes for those remaining shirts. So act now if you want to secure the shirt in uh, your choice of size. And there, full time for season 2011. Thanks for listening, everyone. This year was a breakout year for us with the podcast awards thing and uh, being featured by iTunes at the start of the season. That was a massive. That was a massive boost. That was that was all. Well, that was the, the single most massive boost uh, that the show's ever had. I think it was a real hockey stick kind of moment as far as um, fucking what the fan numbers. It's a term of hockey stick. I'm going to do is people. Can't, people are listening. Can't see what I'm doing here. Hockey stick. The stick. End of the stick. Right. You get what I'm saying? Got like it. Like a graph. Yeah. Never heard that term before in my life. Watch she. There's a lot of things you've never heard of or seen, like movies oh, and stuff like that. Fucking that's life. for another podcast. <laughs> Thank God I have to wait till next year for it. And I still want to start that podcast. Yeah, you know, the, the one called um, "Shit That Glenn Hasn't Seen," and maybe, maybe you know, this week in league will probably reveal a movie you haven't seen, and then you can have your homework to watch it, and then we can discuss it. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll be the most irrelevant movie podcast ever because it's bound to be like up to twenty years late on a lot of movies. Yes, but um, definitely, but, but, uh, no one will listen to it. <laughs> oh, we got people that like movies. 
<laughs> I guess so. So thanks so much for your support of the show, everyone. We've got some great things in the works for next season already and hope you will join us then. Twill Nation gets ever stronger and we appreciate each and every one of you. So uh, keep listening and we'll see you next year. See ya. But before we go, I'll leave one last thing oh, in memory of the Uate Parte. My, my son was given the most this crappy, I presume made in China penguin <laughs> by his grandparents uh, the other week, and um, it plays a very interesting song. And I think, given the fact that this is our last episode before Christmas, and given uh, the whole association with the Uate Parte, I think it's very appropriate. So I think um, we'll let the penguin take it. <laughs> we'll, let, we'll let the penguin take us out tonight. Take it from here, Pengu.